You're listening to the Twisted Sisters podcast with Allie, a fiery realtor queen, and Samantha, a gypsy wandering her way through life while navigating being a rock star woman with ADHD. Both are former teen moms of two who have faced challenging adversities. They're here to break stereotypes, get real with you about the messiness of life, and remind you that we're all just a little twisted. Hello, hello. You're tuning in to the Twisted Sisters podcast. My name is Samantha Maloma here. My co-host is Allie Angren. We have the honor and privilege of interviewing Andrea Easton this week. She is the author of A New Normal, The Life of Grief. You are just going to absolutely love her. Andrea is just a beautiful soul. She lost her husband 13 years ago and she talks about how and her story of how she followed her purpose and found a new light within herself and a new I would say um, just drive to help others to learn more to fulfill all the things that she needed in herself while learning how to deal with this new grief and this life of being a widow she is so special to me I met her through a mutual friend and we had dinner and it was like, you have to come on our podcast and we, we have to talk about your book and it's the perfect little book. It's great. It helps you just kind of such a light read, but it's such a perfect little intro and a little insight into, I would say the life and the mind of a widow and what's going on after you lose somebody. Um, But we also talk a lot about how grief isn't just about the loss of a person, that you can deal with grief in the loss of a relationship, the loss of a job. Um, There's so many other losses that we grieve all the time. And so we get a little bit more into depth about how grief is not just a one-size-fits-all, that grief in itself has a lot of different variables, a lot of different looks, and... um, one is not worse or better than the other. They are all entitled to feel a certain way. And we just talk about different ways of handling it and how you can um, acknowledge those feelings, but also learn how to move forward. And really, I would say, just like in every podcast we we have, we just talk a lot about, I would say, just learning about yourself learning how to love yourself, learning how to stop people-pleasing, learning how to acknowledge the things that you need, how to be unapologetically you, the person that God made you to be. And we are not all meant to be the same. We are not all going to go through the same experiences. We are all unique. We are all special. And we are all supposed to be here for a reason. And I love getting together and I love connecting people and I love this interview because it is just really digs into a lot of that. So listen in, enjoy, take something away. We love you. Stay twisted, everybody. Welcome to the Twisted Sisters. This is Allie Engren and my co-host, Samantha Mello. And we are here today with Andrea Easton and she has wrote an amazing book for number one but I would just love to introduce you and have you go into your story. 
Thank you, Ellie. Um, my story really started back in 2009 when my husband got diagnosed um, in February with uh, very rare cancer, angiosarcoma of the liver, caused by Agent Orange. And so he, at that point, they gave him three to six months, give or take, and he actually lasted 10 weeks with the cancer. It's not, not treatable, curable, or um, operable. So um, that's how my story started. That's where I started. And after he died and passed away, I um, decided I had gotten a uh, education grant from the VA and so I decided because there wasn't a lot of help out there when I was looking for help that I wanted to help others so I went back to school for counseling and that's what leads me to where I am today writing the books and having just graduated with my master's in clinical mental health counseling. Yeah. How so, are you liking that? I love it, just the different people I meet, the different um, types of diagnoses that I get to treat and help them through. It's, it's amazing to help others through their issues and life with those diagnoses and to teach them to cope with them. Yeah, and do you feel like it's helped you within your journey? I do. I even think writing my books was really cathartic for me. Um, there's something about it that just like journaling it's it's very cathartic for me and it just it's a place to put words down that no one judges you for sure for sure I feel like you're going through that a little bit right now where you find that like balance of having your energy sucked when you're talking to people and then bringing up those triggers within you oh absolutely I writing has definitely helped but then I've hit points where I can't write a thing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> My creativity is out the door. Um, but then I also have realized when I'm in that place that it's I need to be processing something. And so I've definitely learned some of these triggers and how it's showed me like, this is where I need to be digging in in order to process and get through this next little wave of grief, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's what I loved about your book so much is it's a quick, easy, simple, because sometimes when you're in the midst of it being so strong, grief is there, it's heavy, um, it's hard. It's hard to read and process. I needed it to be simple. I needed to be quick and I needed it to not feel like so much work because <laughs> mm -hmm. basically existing at that point was work and it took a choice every day to just choose to exist. And so I love that. Do you want to share kind of why you chose to write that way and how you chose to get into it? That's exactly why I wrote a really um, short book because when I was reading anything at that time, I couldn't really focus on anything long. Everything I read was really like a short story or like a really thin book. Um, sometimes even an article was hard for me to read. So I just really put that into my intention when I was writing the book is that think about others that are gonna pick this book up where they are at in their journey or wherever they are at. 
um, to just really look at what is the realistic attention span of anyone dealing with processing it six months down the road or processing it one week after the death has happened. Yeah. So that is really how I looked at it when I was writing it. My book actually started from a blog. So I started blogging and then I'm like, I just need to write a book about this, knowing that it was going to be a really quick read. Mm -hmm. And that was intentional. Yeah. I think it's, uh, I think for me in just writing and reading and writing and reading, there's been points in my life where I didn't have the ability to even read about somebody else's story, you know, and so it was like too much to take on. And so it just, you needed different things to read at different times where now I love hearing people's stories, you know, where in the beginning I couldn't listen to anything because I was so sensitive and I could hear and I could feel it to such extremes on top of mine. Whereas now I love hearing about the stories. So I just kind of like the variety of that. But it took, what, three years to figure that out for myself? Mm -hmm. The other thing about that is when I, like I'm in a widow's group on Facebook. And when I look at some of those posts and I think, oh my gosh, I remember being in that state, being in that processing moment or being in that stage of grief where they're at. And I can just feel it for them. And so for me, it, right now, it's a reminder of how far I've come, Yeah. which I think maybe you're getting to that point and because you're enjoying hearing the other stories. Yeah. You still can learn from them. Trust me, I learn every day from something someone says on any of those posts, either how far I've come or, yeah, that's a great way to look at it. And it also, when you share your story with someone and you listen to someone other, someone else's story, it really helps you with a new perspective, a new outlook. And then the next time you run into someone with that situation, you might approach it differently and be a little more um, sensitive to what they're saying. Because yeah. people aren't always sensitive yeah. in this situation. We all look through our glasses, our, our own experiences. And like we just said, you don't wish these types of situations on your worst enemy Mm -hmm. and so I I, sometimes I'm like I'm glad you don't right know I'm glad you don't know how this feels I'm glad you don't understand but let me help you understand for next time so you don't make these types of not mistakes I don't want to say it like that but make people feel a certain way when that's not your intentions I would say either assumptions yeah (laughs) And sometimes they come across as judgments, which right. might not be their intention. Yeah. But it is what, because of where you're at, what place you're at, it yeah. is how you take it sometimes. Yeah. I loved in your book, you say, grief is not linear. Mm-hmm. And um, and it has, it's never ending. <clears throat> right. And um, I, or it has, it's unique to each individual. That was what was. And um, I liked that because it's, it's super true. But I think on... I I would say the supportive side of supporting somebody with grief, it makes it that much more difficult because there's no process to follow to help somebody through grief (laughs) because it's not linear and everybody is different in how they're doing it and everybody is different in what they need. Some people want to hide. Some people want to go out and 
tell the world and it's it's just so different and so I think in the pod in our podcast and just talking so openly about all this and bringing different people and situations and different stories on to help people understand um, to figure out how your loved one is grieving maybe what type of person they are where they're at in their grief right now and helping them to understand how they can better help or how they can be of uh, support yeah well and I think at different parts of the journey you require something different because in the beginning you really probably you don't want someone to be in your face but you want someone to be there with you so that if you need anything like a shoulder to cry on or just like a conversation about something else you have that person there and then there's days that you don't want to see a single person because you can't get out of bed Mm -hmm. and someone checking on you is different than them being in your space invasive mm -hmm. yeah for sure so it's really knowing um what you need yourself and being able to communicate that to others because they aren't always going to know what you need yeah and I think I read like in your blog too like it says please don't forget about me I need you you knew in a few days they would all go back to their new normal lives and you would just be left alone to figure out what your new normal would be. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I have goosebumps. Yeah, that's a whole lot of emotion right there. Um, I don't even know what I was thinking about when I wrote that. Mm-hmm. Other than probably that no one had called. Just that loneliness you feel. It's a tough one. Yeah. And... The, I, that loneliness happens off and on, really. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't even know how to no, answer that. No, that's okay. <laughs> well, I read to us. It, it was. It's really true, though, because people do, they forget that you go back to this house that is where you've lived and you have everything to take care of now, like plus everything in dealing with that death. So not only do you have to face everyday life, but what you need to go through, make sure the bills are paid, make sure, you know, everything is done. But you also have to take care of what needs to be done for that person's um, financials, like any any of their assets. Like my husband had 10 401ks because he worked for different dealerships. And when he had different jobs, that you know, it was a year or more, and they started the 401k, and then it's dealing with them. And literally, one of the dealerships that he had worked for seven years before he died had, no, he had worked for them five years before he died. And they had ripped the beneficiary form up, destroyed it, shredded it, because they said they he didn't work here anymore. And I said, it's a legal document. Right you need to keep it for 10 years. And so I had to hire an attorney just to get it. And, you know, it's a principle is that they should know what they need to do Mm. so that it doesn't make your job harder at an already hard time. Yeah, I mean, the most ridiculous thing that you want to go through when you're dealing with the pain of grief and that absence. Yeah. It's just a bigger reminder. Well, and it's every day you're calling credit card companies and saying the same thing over. And every day you're sitting there and you're repeating the same information over and over. And it's like, it gets 
tough. Not that you don't want to remember them or you don't want to talk about them. It's just the way that you have to do it feels like a job. And it feels like a, a just a constant reminder that they're gone. Well, it's hard enough to deal with those things on a daily basis with that person. Mm -hmm. And now you're dealing with something that you hate doing as it is, while also not even knowing what weighs up at that point. So Yeah, right. And you said, Samantha, that you, you're talking about them in a way that you don't really want to. And that's the important, important thing, too, is that people feel like they can't bring up their names. We do really want to hear their names. Yeah. And we do really want to talk about them. Yeah. And so, especially around anniversaries and holidays and their birthday, I mean, it's it's huge. Mm. It's what we need. Yeah. You know, it doesn't matter if it's the same year or five years down the road. It's right. a nice remembering. He was alive. He lived. You know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That person isn't just non-existent now that they're not here on earth. Yeah. That's the hardest thing, I think, sometimes. Yeah. I agree with that 100%. It's... And, you know, sometimes you do want to tell the not-so-good stories or you want to tell the good stories. It doesn't need to be all puppies and rainbows, but it is good to talk about them. And it's, like you said, it's like you feel like they're out of sight, out of mind and forever forgotten in a way. And mm -hmm. it's like you feel like you're the one who has to carry their memory. And so I do think that those are really good when you have those people who just remind you that you're not the only one carrying their memory, right. you know. I think you said everyday lifestyle. Um, I read that and I just kind of felt like what I had felt when you were talking, um, spiraling off of what Allie was talking about earlier. Um, I think it's hard when you go into everyday life and um, you're, it's lonely, right? Mm -hmm. you, yep. you, you get those spouts of loneliness and it's not a lonely like when you were dating. And like, I feel like when, before I had this type of relationship, before this happened, you know, dating was different. Dating, you, you just, if you were lonely, you went on a date and mm -hmm. uh, you could go do these things and it would fill, it would kind of fill that lonely, it would feel the excitement and you had those things, but it's different after you've lost somebody when you're in the midst of love with them mm -hmm. and then to not have that because now you are lonely and it, you can't just go on a date and it somebody it's not the same anymore Correct. it's not enjoyable to go and be like well we just went out and had fun and it doesn't feel that because it's not the same it's not them it's not that depth and that person that just knew you inside and out, that you could have a look and they just understood exactly what that meant. Mm -hmm. And it was like, you know, so I try to explain that to people in the loneliness. Like it's not like you can just go on a date or hang out with some friends or hang out with some people and have that met. It's that deep connection that you so much long for or miss, I would say. Grieve. It's another... It's another thing we grieve. It's just that deep, genuine connection with somebody that doesn't come around often. Right. Especially when you have your person. you It is hard to replace that. And then you see other couples and you see people who are older than you that still have their couples. And sometimes it's just that is a huge trigger. Yeah. And it's not always a trigger because sometimes you see the happy couple celebrating an anniversary and you're like, oh, how sweet is that? 
but then you're at the beach on vacation and there's a couple walking hand in hand and you're like ugh, why do they get that for yeah. that long and I don't get that yeah and so that's that loneliness you're right it's that you crave that connection with someone who really got you and really understood you by just the look and by choice they wanted to mm-hmm. they just wanted to yeah yeah yeah. I know. I, tr- I think a trigger for me is seeing dads with their daughters. Oh, that's sure. always a tough one for me. Mm-hmm. But that's a that's some you know that's one of those things that is hard for me to yeah process. But yeah, I get it. I like on TV if like all of a sudden you know like you're watching something and it's like this dad is doing and I'm just like bawling like mm-hmm. she's never gonna have that or you know I hope one day you just have those and you just grieve. I think that goes into the part of grief that. We grieve our dreams that we had, mm-hmm. right? And we yeah. had, we grieve those those stories and stuff that we were working towards and those goals and all of that. And that feels kind of never-ending grief. <laughs> yeah, because with your partner, you expect to grow old with them. You don't expect to have it cut off at an early age. Mm-hmm. And your parents, you know, you expect them to die. But your spouse you really do think you're going to go grow old with them and you know do that by choice like you said they want to be there and Mm -hmm. yeah grow together and so it's hard when you have an earlier end to it and you don't get that choice yeah how long have you been a widow for 13 years it was in april okay yeah how do you feel about 13 versus a couple two years i would say Uh, Well, I'm looking at 13 as a lucky number for me because it's my birthday. So I try to look at everything lucky 13, like today. I was going to say, it's (laughs) Friday the 13th. Yes. (laughs) Oh, I love that Uh so much. Yep. I thought about that when you pushed it forward. (laughs) This is karma. This is meant to be. Yes. Oh, 13 is a good number. Yeah. So I would say probably feel in a better place than I was two years ago. Um, definitely in a better place than I was five years ago. I mean, every year you just get stronger and you have different challenges, of course. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think I just get stronger every year. And um, I definitely think by helping others, it helps me yeah. through that and just really grow. And then I realize how much I have grown. So, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's all good right now. Yeah. And I think you just as I'm reading and learning that you just grow around your grief. Mm-hmm. You don't really necessarily, it doesn't, I mean, I haven't been there. So what am I trying to say as far as your... Yeah, but I mean, I, I think too, like you learn to live your new life. I mean, you mm-hmm. learn, you learn to figure it out really. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, the big thing with grief and I like to show you know is yeah you might not have lost somebody in that way but we have stages of grief when we are abandoned by our parents mm-hmm. we're abandoned by partners <clears throat> children yep. um, sometimes grieving somebody who's still alive is a lot harder than grieving somebody who's actually not no longer on the earth mm-hmm. and that is one thing I want to tell our listeners because there's you know there's no um, comparison with that. Um, sometimes it can be very, very similar, if mm-hmm. not, you know, the same. And um, that's why I like to touch on all this because mm-hmm. it's, it's you know, people who are in love with drug addicts mm-hmm. and they can't figure it out, right? And 
they decide to take off and now this person's gone, but they're still out there. You still fear for them, but you're having to figure out yourself now and you're having to figure out what you're going to do, who you are now, because that creates a codependency type of a relationship, you know, and you have, there's just all of these, we could go on for hours about different scenarios, mm-hmm. you know, and <clears throat> That's why I like to talk about this stuff because I think people don't recognize that. They think it has to be a certain situation or a certain love story or a certain this and it makes it harder or worse or that type of situation makes it easier and it's, it's not always the case. That's not the case no, at all. It's not and I can guess I can sit there now that you say that because my son does not have his father in his life and knowing he's out there and yet I see my son deal with it daily and all the visions that I did see within having those two play catch in the yard or whatever were not there for him so yeah and then alongside that comes a fear right you know because then you have a fear of that too and that's Mm -hmm. it is it's a it's 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 grieving you know, and uh, that's what I loved when we talked to Jamie and grief and trauma and how it really, we hold so much in our bodies too. Mm-hmm. How, right. What have you experienced with like your health and grief and stuff? Well, can I back up and just uh, add yes. to what you guys were saying is because when we think of grief, we think of just a death and it really isn't that. Like you said, it can be for someone who's on earth right now that is alive and yeah just taken off and abandoned or, you know, left you for whatever reason. But it's also the, the loss of a job. Mm. You grieve that. Um, for people who, when the housing market and all the economy tanked, what, 2008, yeah. it's the loss of losing a house. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be the family dynamics after a parent dies. Mm-hmm. There's a certain yeah. loss of... Um, connectivity and kind of just camaraderie there you know that is another loss that we deal with and grieve that I mean it you still go through those stages of grief Mm -hmm. but it's not that person is still there everyone is still there yeah there's you know the loss of identity if you do lose a job or if you lose a house or you know whatever there is a loss of identity that goes with all of it because you identify with whatever you just lost and so there is a grief with any of that so that is I think often misrepresented and overlooked when someone is saying you know I'm just really feeling crappy that I got fired from that job or um, I lost my house because I decided to do you know to take a lesser job because I was so unhappy those are the stories that I hear, and some of those stories people forget about. And there is a huge loss on so many levels with all of that, and it's grief right there with it. Yeah. So my book is really universal, where I attack it from a widower's view. Yeah. I It is very universal, and you I talk about loss of identity in there. I talk about a lot of things that everyone can understand. Yeah. Because guess what? Even when you lose a job, someone isn't going to be there for you in two weeks like they said they would. You know, and I think that, I bring that up because that's one of the things, the most common things I hear from people when they're out grieving, is that no one is there for you when they said you're going to be, they're going to be. And I think that, I mean, just for when you're dealing with someone who has a loss, that's like a huge thing to remember is 
just really be there to support them. And if you say you're going to call in two weeks, call in two weeks. Yeah. I mean, that means a lot to that person in grief of whatever they're grieving. Yeah, absolutely. I do think, too, like, at, when you're the griever, you know, like, I think people are like, well, why don't you just ask or why don't you whatever? And I can say from a griever standpoint, I look at that now and I'm like, I don't know why I couldn't have just, you know, asked like, hey, call me or hey, whatever. But there's such a fear of rejection Mm -hmm. um, of loss on that loss that I think is really hard. It's hard to put yourself out there and it's hard to have any expectation on literally anything at that point. And so when I think you do reach out and why I think that's so important is uh, for those reasons, because it it feels like rejection when somebody might not follow through. Right. And not that that's their heart or whatever, but I think you're in just such a dark place or deep place that it's hard not to process anything at that point as that. And you just don't want to be even viewed as weak still in that way, I feel like. Mm -hmm. That's too. Yeah, that's a good point of view. You know, because I, I remember thinking that and I'm like telling people like, well, just, you know, you can always ask. But, you know, I always said too, I'm like, I don't even know what I need. Mm-hmm. People be like, how can I help? And I was so blessed. I had an amazing support system. And I would have people be like, how can I help? What do you need? What do you? And I would just, I don't even know. I couldn't tell you until it was like, you know, who knows, midday. And I was panic attack, freaking out because of whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. But it's like, I don't even know what I need. I don't even know how to say it. But then I had those people that just did the things, you know? Mm-hmm. They would send Lorelai. Somebody had a bear made, and it was like this whole story of a bear who lost their, their dad. And, you know, it was like the most incredible thing, and I just sat and bawled mm-hmm. because it was like I couldn't fulfill that for my daughter. Like, I would have never had that made. I couldn't do that part of it. Mm-hmm. But for somebody else to think of her and do that was huge, you know, mm-hmm. and fill those voids where I knew I wasn't a good person. I couldn't be the mm-hmm. person I needed to be in those moments and fill those voids for me was huge. Right. But that's huge. part of that loneliness that you're talking about because yeah. you you used to not have to ask. At yeah. one point, you didn't have to ask. It yeah. Was, just someone else was there to do it yeah and now we can't really ask because a we don't know what we want and yeah. b you're numb <laughs> and you're you're not really focused on any one thing but like you said earlier Allie getting through the day mm-hmm. and you you need that person to come in and just say hey how about if I do this for you or yeah. do you mind if I come over and rake your yard or do whatever you need me to do back in the pool area. Those are the people you need is to just see something and say, do you mind if I do this for you? Yeah. Because we can ask at that time. No way. No. You just don't know what you need. You don't. And that's, Mm -hmm. so I always tell people like, if you get an instinct Mm -hmm. and you just feel like, oh, I should call them or, oh, I should just go do that. Like, don't ask, just do it. Like, I go, what's the, what's the worst that could happen? Like, they're mad at you because you mowed their lawn. Right. Yeah. You know, I go, I guarantee nobody's going to be mad that you mowed their lawn. And if they are, there's a much bigger issue with them. You know, you yeah. can say, you know what, I mowed your lawn. I'm sorry, but mm-hmm. I just won't do it again. You know, right. like, but um, it's just, it is, it's, it's a tricky situation. Mm-hmm. Very much so. 
And I think it's important, too, to do that from the heart, right? Mm -hmm. Because there are a ton of people pleasers out there that I feel are constantly trying to love up on everybody. But is that the right thing, too? Because I feel like you just kind of went through that of, like, am am I setting those correct boundaries? Oh, yeah. Yeah, te- de- definitely. It's been my healing. This is, I mean, you know, you have to separate the grief from also my toxic behaviors and my choices that have led me to the situation that I ended up in. Mm-hmm. You know, am I a victim to a point? Yes, but I also have to take responsibility for the choices that had led me to my situation. I chose to be in a relationship with somebody who had mental issues, who had addiction issues, who had these problems and um I ignored a lot of the red flags you know which Mm -hmm. led me so my grieving was not only grieving of the person grieving of the relationship but also dealing with all the trauma that came along with it and healing myself in like my toxic behaviors of people pleasing making sure but that's where I I can tell you I got a leg up this is where grief gave me a leg up because I had no other choice. I had to be selfish. It was the only way that I was going to live another day and keep my kids alive was I had to solely focus on me, my kids, and I had a year, and I got to take the year and just be in the darkness, you know? And not everybody has that ability to just toss their life aside, but mine was drugged from underneath me. I had no other choice. So it was you go up, or you stay on the ground, mm-hmm. you know? And that's the only way I had, right. where it is a lot harder to pick your bootstraps up where you're at sometimes and make those changes when it's not forced upon you. Mm-hmm. So it is hard when you're not in these dire, crazy situations, right. you know? And, but, I could easily stop my healing right now, right? I could easily be comfortable and stop. But there comes a choice every day that I have to make. Like, nope, I'm not going to sit here. I'm going to keep moving forward and making those changes. Yeah. Yeah. So. And I think just, like you said, being pushed into those scenarios, being able to eliminate those toxic people in your life. And I feel like you've just done so much healing within that how do you feel like you did with like the toxic um I wouldn't say that I had a toxic situation that I needed to deal with it was more that I felt like I had more than I could handle um like just everything that I was dealing with like I have a house that bigger than I need and yard work that I didn't do he did most of that and I used to always joke about the 2% of things he did. Now I've had to do those. And so they're not hard things, but they're just things I don't care to do. Right. Like, I don't really want to mow the lawn. Can I do it? Absolutely. Can I hire it out? Maybe. But do I want to? No. You know, it's that dilemma you go round and round about mm-hmm. in your head because you are capable. And yet, and it takes up some of your time. So it kind of, it's that... Um, kind of methodical thing where it's somewhat cathartic in a weird way because you're just going through the motion and you're going through the motion getting something done. Mm -hmm. So I would say that um, I I had 
his family to deal with because they had just lost his brother the year before and they died you know 365 days apart oh and my so goodness. no way uh-huh wow yeah mike was his bone marrow donor and so mike was healthy when he did that bone marrow donor and for his brother and so you know when i saw his family at first it was i know i was a really hard reminder for them so i also knew that mike really wanted me to keep that relationship going and so i really had to work on that at a time where i didn't really want to yeah and that was probably one of the hardest things for me just because i felt somewhat pushed away even though that wasn't their intention but i knew i had to keep it going yeah um, my mom in the beginning wasn't great she wasn't my person. It took her probably about a year to realize that I needed her. So she was my person there for a long time. And, you know, I come from a big family, so there was some support there. Yeah. Um, so you just, yeah. Well, I didn't have tox toxic things to deal with. I had other things to deal with. But, so, I mean, those are, it's, it is, it's just, yeah, it's, 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 you know, no, obviously no family is perfect. Nobody no around you is perfect. And sometimes when it's the first tragic thing that happens close to, you know, in those areas, like people don't know what to do. They don't know how to respond. And I don't think they realize, you know, how much their actions and how much their response really does matter. Right. You know, and um, I, you know, I get it completely. Like just with people around me and my family, you know, and they did have to tiptoe at times. And then there was times where they didn't. And then there was times where I had to be very honest, like, you know, you not putting effort in this area to celebrate him really hurts my feelings. Yeah. And, um, like I need, you know, I need you to show up here. And, you know, they've never done it since. But it's, I think it's just hard. It's just, there's just a lot of emotions and Mm -hmm. there's grief within the grief. And you do, you, your relationships with everybody around you changes because you change so much too. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really hard for other people around you. Um, I know like my friends and family had a hard time watching me be so depressed and so sad and Mm -hmm. so in these places that they just, it was hard for me to see their faces and see their reactions because they see you and they're just like, they want to be there, but they don't know what to do. And yeah, it's uncomfortable. And you know, regarding that, I did, I think in my book, I have something in there that says you outwardly, you look the same, but inside you're a completely different person. Yeah. And you don't really have a choice because you just have to go on. There is no way that you can be the same person before the loss of anything. Yeah. I mean, I don't care what you're, what kind of loss you're dealing with. It is just not possible to be the same person, whether you choose it or whether it's give, given to you like a death. Yeah. Um, it yeah, is that's hard. a great way to put that. It is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're. It's it's not easy and. That's another part of that, where that linear piece mm-hmm. is very, very um, uh, fitting because, you know, every situation is, a, is different and it's not going to be linear in any way. Like how people treat you, who treats you the same way, or like 
dealing with um, your partner's death and then dealing with something else you're experiencing, um, they can treat you differently even though you're the same person. Yeah. But because this, they see the situations as differently. They could maybe be more empathetic about something else because they're comfortable with that. They're more familiar with that situation or scenario. But a death isn't, if you've never been through it, it's very awkward and uncomfortable for you and how how it, to deal with it and what that person needs. Yeah, just dealing with emotions. Because yeah. I was not an emotional person um, for a very long time or understood, I guess. Right. But now looking back, I realize that I'm much more in touch with my own emotions, which helps me handle other people's, mm-hmm. you know, whereas before I think it just shoved a lot down. I was like, well, I'm not emotional. It doesn't, when really it was like, I just choose not to feel it or deal with it. And now your emotions are making me uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to like leave that alone and let you deal with it. You know, and it was like, right. and looking now that you've gone through, you know, and two, <clears throat> I think we look at change so bad. It's like so mm-hmm. bad. And it's, you know, you want to stay the same person and you want to stay these things. And I, in my healing journey, I realized I do not want to be the same data person tomorrow that I am today. Right. You know, I don't want to be. I want change. Mm-hmm. Change is good. Change will inject you out into life and you will do things that you had never even realized or dreamed of. You know, and taking those chances and making those changes every day is huge. And it's not, it's not always a bad thing. Right. But it's hard to view it. Um, Like I, you know, when people have um, losses and it's immediate, I try not to do the whole positive spin, right? You know, because that was one of the things that drove me insane was the positive spin. I think people just want to fix it and make you better. They hate seeing you so sad. They hate the situation. And it was just like, I always put, this sucks. This mm-hmm. is terrible. Yeah. This is miserable. And it's, you know, I'm not going to lie to you and say it's going to get better and it's going to whatever. You're going to learn to live with it and you're going to learn how to do life. It's going to be different, but I'll be here with you next to you mm-hmm. in that, you know. And yeah. when you're ready to, you know, ask questions or you need help in any area, I'm here, you know. Yeah. And I think for the first time, I actually just sent out a few texts to people and just saying, like, you know, that I hadn't talked to in a while and just saying, like, I know I've been MIA. Mm -hmm. Like, I've been very selfish probably these last few years. And I finally, my cup is finally full enough where I feel like I can put into others. And I'm sorry that you were affected by that, you know. That's awesome. And it was, like, it was just one of those things where I'm, like, I recognized, like, because it's those people that are on your mind and you're like, I should say something, I should call or I should whatever, but I just don't have the ability to do it right now. It's too much. Right. And so I'm hitting a point where I'm like realizing, okay. And if they respond, great. If they don't, it's okay. You know, there's no... Um, They're on their own journey too. Yeah. So. And there's no expectation with right. that. But it was something that I knew I needed to acknowledge for some people around me that showed up but I was not able to show up for them in the way that I really wish I could right yeah I know I've had people I have a friend of mine who has said to me I know when I go through a loss I really want you there by my side and I'm just like that is kind of like a bold strong statement because they know that you are going to be there to support them in every way that they would need you to 
Yeah. So. See, and that's it's hard helpful. for me sometimes because I think because you've gone through a tragedy, I think people expect you to be there for them. And where I'm at in my journey is it's triggering at times. Mm-hmm. And I just want to hide. I can't be there. And I think that changes when you along Go. your journey. Yeah, like I could, at three years, I probably felt the same way. And I can't even remember back yeah. then. But I know that I lost a coworker that we were all really close with. And I remember going to that funeral and just sitting there very like, stoic and very numb just remembering what I had gone through three years ago today that's not how I feel I know that I check in with them probably I'm probably overbearing because I check in because I know how what I needed and Mm -hmm. what I didn't get yeah Mm -hmm. so I know it it's all about um where you're at I think and we all heal differently and can handle things and there are times when I don't want to talk about death. I don't want to talk about grief. I don't want to talk to you about my book, you know? Yeah. Because <laughs> it brings up a lot of memories and I get emotional like I have today. Yeah. How has your life been like, you know, I would say in moving forward and like, um, you know, friendships and romantic relationships and you know, you really dove into work. Is that really just your main focus right now, or do you... I would say that right after my died, I really did dig into my work. Um, I worked a job back then that required a lot of hours for me, so it was very easy to do. As I've come outside of that time frame, um, it's changed, and of course, that is hard. It's hard to find someone. Not that you're comparing them or um, wanting them to be the same person but it's hard because you've grown so much and you've been through so much that you just look at life completely differently like life is short I don't want to waste time Mm -hmm. I want someone who wants to be with me who's going to enjoy things in life that I do I don't have time to um to accept the fact that you're not going to do what I like to do. Like, I love to travel, so someone in my life is going to need to travel. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and I hate to say this, because if my family listens to it, I have just come <laughs> out of a two-year relationship that they don't know about. Yeah. Um, and it's it's been a challenge, um, yeah. because he was probably someone who got me as much as my husband did. And... So saying, and I said goodbye, so saying goodbye to that was really hard. Yeah. And it was right at the time that I was getting my degree, mm-hmm. and um, all of those things had a part in it, though, because he was very intimidated by my education, which I think is kind of ridiculous. But um, again, you have to ask that if, if that's how they feel, you're, I'm never going to change that. And my education, I'm doing for me, not for anyone else. It's for what I want to right. pursue with my life. Yeah. And, and you so, want somebody there being your biggest cheerleader right next to you, too. Absolutely. And that is one of the things he said to me. One of the last things he said to me is, I hope you find someone who can celebrate your accomplishments with you. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful. And how did it feel kind of... Just, I feel like even with you, just hearing like, wow, I, I actually can feel again. I can have feelings for somebody else. That was really good to feel. Um, and I have dated throughout the 13 years, but never to this level. Um, 
it's good to know that your heart can open again. Mm -hmm. But then when it falls apart, you kind of wonder like, oh, God, was it worth it? Do I need to go through a loss of anything else right now or mm -hmm. anything ever again? Yeah. So it's it's kind of a catch-22. I mean, you, you get a little more selective because of what you've been through, and you know that it's nice to feel that opened heart again, but then when things don't go right, you also question it. Yeah, I think there's a lot of fear. Um, there's a lot of fear of another huge mm -hmm. loss because... When you're in those moments, you don't really know how you got through it. <laughs> you know, we're 100% out of 100% for getting through it, though, right? Yeah. Like, you know, so you think about it that way. It is hard, though, because unless you open your heart up to ultimate um, rejection and um, loss, right, you're never going to feel the ultimate happiness right. on the flip side of that. Um, so that I constantly drive that battle of, like, opening yourself up and being open and vulnerable and um, just knowing that everything's out of my control. Mm -hmm. You know, it's out of my control. Yeah. And what are my goals? What are the things that I strive for in life? And I, I really love love. I'm a, mm -hmm. I'm a hopeless romantic forever and always. And I've probably been the most single person out of all my friends <laughs> you know but, but I think you I live, am you live in the moment like you've even <laughs> taught me about things where I'm like Allie is this really that big of a deal like get over it like and so I think when you do go through what you guys have gone through you live completely differently because of that living in the moment I would agree. I think that we do appreciate life in a different way. We take the little, we don't take anything for granted anymore, I don't feel like. Yeah. Don't you agree? No, yeah, I agree. I mean, and yeah, I think you're just more aware. Yes. You're more aware of the things, and I think you're just a little more picky and choosy of what you let bother you because... You just know that could be the last time you talk to that person. Mm -hmm. Whereas before any of this, I mean, I would... It's just natural. It's natural to be irritated with somebody and just be like, well, I'm not going to talk to you for a few days. Yeah. Where now I couldn't, I couldn't do it. That would eat me alive. It does eat me alive. Like mm -hmm. if somebody, you know, leaving things on, you know, undone with people and stuff, it, it eats me alive because I just, you just know how precious and how fast things can change. Because we've yeah. even been through our little tiffs, and you'll text me and be like, I know, I just feel something. Are you okay? Just text me. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. I'll be like, yeah. just let me know everything's okay. Like, you know, because it's just, but you're entitled to feel, and you just, you want to give space, and you want to let people feel, yeah. but... You know, and our I think the way we process things is we're like, let's just get over it. It's not worth it. Right. This isn't worth it. This is stupid. It's not going to matter in three years, you know, but it's mm -hmm. a easier said than done when you aren't, you know, it's just easier to understand things when you've gone through it. It yeah. just is. Yeah, you love harder. You take relationships a little more seriously. Like friendships are like a bigger thing, especially yeah. your people or your tribe that yeah. are really your people. They mean a lot more to you than they did before, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. Appreciation, yeah. And I think just being smart of like where you're putting your energy, who yeah. you're putting your energy into. Mm -hmm. And um, I mean, my whole life definitely, I made a lot of changes. And it was really hard for people in the beginning. It was super hard, you know, because it was just, I don't live in fear anymore. Right. 
it's like, okay, well, I lost a job, which I haven't, but I'm just going to quit a job. And my parents would be like, you're just going to quit that job. You'd be like, yeah, I don't like it anymore. It's mm-hmm. not, it's not working for me. Right. And I would quit and, you know, next opportunity. And I just don't have that fear anymore because it's like, well, what's the worst that'll happen? I've already been pretty dark and deep. Like, I mean, if it gets to that point, I made it out of that, I guess. So it should be fine, you know? Yeah. But once again, easier said than done. Well, I think it goes back to teaching our kids, like, your social circle doesn't need to be, you don't need to have a ton of friends, but you need to have those important quality versus quantity. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I think you learn that more and more the older you get, like, when you're in high school and grade school, it's, you know, you hang around the people that play the sport you do and you want everyone on the team to like you, or as you get older, you realize that what's important to you and to find the people that have similar right. interests. It's like dating too. Take it's like, as oh, you I are. don't want everybody to like me. No. You know, like if we could just cut a lot of these people out, that would be great, you know, and then yeah. you just, but now it's like, I don't. I don't even, I don't talk to many people at all, you know, it's, I think you just realize, um, you know, but I have kids and that's mm-hmm. different, you know, you guys, you guys, he was really your, your ultimate person, right? Yep. you know, and that's best friend, everything. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's a loss in that where yeah. you put everything you had into the one person and now they're gone. Yeah. You know? I would say I'm thankful that I really did. We, both had jobs that were very busy and so we also had separate lives you know like he had his friends that he would golf with on Sunday mornings and I had my friends that I would travel with and he'd go snowmobiling with a group of guys and so we had a great life together but we also had those friend lives and that was relationships outside of the relationship and I think if I didn't have that it would have been harder for me um because again, there's such a loneliness with it, even when you do have that support, that if you didn't have that support, it would be, I think, 10 times worse. Yeah. I love that you said that because my husband and I went through a separation for about two years. And I would say that I didn't have that circle. I was forming into his circle. And so when we separated, I really found out Mm -hmm. who those true friends were and accepting of me. And so I think it's important to, you know, whoever is listening to this, to have your own passions and your own life because you never know what's going to happen. Right, Mm -hmm. you don't. Yeah, like that's a great lesson right Mm -hmm. right there is really to have your own lives but to have a life together absolutely and you can still have a strong life together you can you You just get your bucket filled by other people within different ways and finding that depth yeah Mm -hmm. and then you come to the relationship more full and more whole for Mm -hmm. each other yeah I loved the quote you put in your book, and it says, real love stories never have endings. Yep. And I wrote that down, and I just, like, kind of smiled, and it was like, that's really beautiful. Yeah. Because that's so, it, there isn't. It's still living on, and it's it's a, it's just love. You know, like, I, I think I told you when we met, like, I... I love to talk about it and um, talk about him and talk about things, even though we had trauma, right? We had things, there was still love there. Um, But you realize when you get to talk about it, right? And you're emotional today (laughs) because it's all the love you didn't get to share and it's all the things you didn't get to put out there. And so 
it's therapeutic to get to do it. Right. And it's therapeutic to talk to them and show that love and spread awareness and um, have purpose with their life still. Right. Well, you know, it's even that, after they're gone. Yeah, it's not having that person to share everyday stuff with. But it's funny because I found that plaque, I think, a year after his death. And I have it in um, a room I redid. So I do love that. It's just, it is. It's just a beautiful saying. It's just like such a different, like it's not yeah. one that you're like, true love never dies. Or like, yeah. you know, it's not something that you see all the time. It was like, oh, yeah, that's that's impactful. Yeah, yeah. it was. It is. very impactful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's with any relationship, right? <laughs> that love yes. can be with any relationship. Mm-hmm. I think that's one thing I've learned is like, um, you know, some of my soulmates are my best friends. Absolutely. You know, and I, you know, I although I miss um, the comfort of being in somebody's arms and mm-hmm. kissing and having those cuddles and watching TV from separate sides of the couch and just know having that comfort. Yeah. Um, there's also a lot of strength that's been built in those moments of. I was forced to have independence and I was forced to be in that and I really appreciate that I have worked through a lot of my codependency and I've worked through that need of filling some of those voids of feeling loved in those ways where now anytime I get that it's so extra and it really Mm -hmm. fills my cup instead of just um, I would say overflows my cup instead of filling my cup utilizing that that makes sense Mm -hmm. it's a it's been a challenge though. It's not easy. No. I was always really independent, but I became even more independent in a way I can't even describe since it's yeah. death. Yeah. Yeah. And it's forced, you know, you have to figure it out. You don't have that other counsel to mm-hmm. talk to about anything. Yeah. So and it is harder to ask about certain things when you need help from people in your circle, yeah. no matter how close they are. It's been hard. I think it's hard for me to show compassion towards certain people sometimes, like people who are going through really bad divorces, right? And they're just mm-hmm. eating each other alive. And I'm over here. It's really hard for me to witness some of that because I'm going, you guys loved each other at one point. Okay, you guys are getting divorced. But, like, come on. This is not worth it. This is not worth it. This isn't worth it. You guys just let it go. Go live your lives. Go be, you know, but it's so much easier said than done. But I would say those are triggers for me is watching people just not take relationships around them and things that they've put into others, you know, mm-hmm. and um, focus on such minute stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I have to keep my mouth shut sometimes because I'm like, this is not my place to have you learn or teach you. Right. It is yours to learn on your own. But sometimes I leave and I get real bitter, like... Come on, you guys. Get over it. And it's typically always about money, where you're like, money doesn't mean anything. No, money is nothing. Mm -hmm. It is nothing. You make it, you lose it, you'll make more, Mm -hmm. always. Yeah, because we didn't get that choice, right? No. We didn't get that choice to decide who's going to get half of your whatever. Yeah, you're left with all their debt. I mean, there's so many details into (laughs) when you lose somebody. Right. is there anything you want to share with our listeners on, um, like, I would say just any advice or words of wisdom that you would like to in- Well, I think impart. the one really important thing that we talked about is just, you know, loss isn't just death. It And understand when someone is having a hard time because they've 
lost a job or lost a house or whatever they've lost, it is important to them. And so to be as compassionate and caring about that as if it was their um, partner or mom or mother or father that died, you know. Yeah. Some people don't think a pet is an important thing. And pets are really part of our family. They are such a love to us that they give us that unconditional love that not even children, for those of you who have them, can give you because they depend on you and they look at you and they give you kisses and they come to you for whatever they need, whether you've been horrible to them or not. You know what <laughs> I mean? Yes. Whether you left them outside longer than they should have on a hot day. or you know. So just being really aware of loss isn't just a death and to be really compassionate about that. And then the other thing I would say is just... Um, loss is really awkward for someone if they haven't experienced the certain, you know, type of loss that you were going through or dealing with. And so it's awkward for us as well it is, as it is for the person who is standing in front of us. So sometimes it's better to say nothing than to say something that you feel is right. And like you said before, Samantha, something positive like the last thing you want to hear during that time is something positive, even though they might think it. Yeah. But sometimes saying nothing is better. And sometimes what we need is for you just to listen. Just yeah. be there when I need you to listen to me. Mm -hmm. Those are two of the biggest, I think, wisdoms that I could share with listeners about death and loss. Yeah. What are two things that I would say you, you personally have learned in your journey? Uh, two, huh? We'll do two. <laughs> two, two, we'll do two. Um, or one, whatever. I think that I I appreciate life a lot more now than I ever have. Yeah. And I don't know, just make sure everyone in your life knows you appreciate them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just showing that love. Absolutely. Well, mm -hmm. I'm so glad you came on I today. Know, me too. I know this is, uh, it's, it's a testament that 13 years later, right? Um, on the 13th, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, right. You know, we, your emotions are still just right on your sleeve. Yeah. And um, that you know, three years and 13 years and right. we can still be dealing with similar yeah. things and different places though, completely right. in our lives, different places in grief, but you still have those waves. It is not linear. No. And yeah. I love it. I think yeah. it's great. Um, I don't love obviously the situations, but I love that we can get on and talk about this and bring um, awareness yeah. and, you know, Quit with the stereotypes and quit with the ideas that, you know, um, we have been taught that aren't necessarily And true. don't expect people to go back to their old selves. Right. Yeah, mm -hmm. you can't. That's the one thing. You're never going to be that person again. Mm -hmm. I mean, outwardly, like I said before, you might look it, but internally you've changed so much because of what you've dealt with. And you're just going to continue to change, but change in growth, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I love it. 
I, before we get off, I would love to hear like your fondest memory of your husband. <laughs> that you. Oh, this is a good one. <laughs> She's like, you guys are killing me. I know. Yeah. You're killing me. Gosh, I didn't expect to get this emotional today, you guys. No, that's okay. That's um, what we're here for. Uh, and it's okay if you don't want to. Yeah. Um... Oh, you're good. Take a moment. <laughs> this is it, you guys. This right. is the nasty. I mean, not nastiness, but this is the, um, this is the side of it. You know, this is part of it all, and it's uncomfortable sometimes, but it's not. And just right. getting to be in it and feel it right now, and um, this is it. This is literally everything we've been talking about. Right. And so it's the I I would say maybe kind of the ugly parts of it, right? You feel. Like, um, I think in grief, it's hard because I think you, you are scared of these moments where you lose it and you can't quite gather yourself. I used to be so scared to go out in public. So I'm like, I'm going to have a breakdown and I'm not gonna be able to control it. And I'm going to look like a crazy psycho person because I'm, and I did, I was getting a pedicure. I think the first time I got a pedicure, Mm -hmm, I I went and I got a pedicure. It was for my birthday and me and Matt always went and got pedicures together. It was just something we always did. And it was, I didn't process it at all that it was the first one I had ever gotten without him and it clicked hard. And I sat there and the lady was asking me and I couldn't even answer. I'm just bawling. And I'm like, I'm sorry. This is the first one, you know, and I would, it was just a moment that I was not prepared for it. But that's the thing is like, I always tried to prepare myself and it was like, you can't, you can't prepare yourself because it takes the healing out of these emotions and the other part of that is is the harder you try to control it <laughs> yeah you're just you're gonna lose it more yeah it's um, true like I'm sitting here trying to think of a fond memory well I have <coughs> 80,000 yeah but the fond memory that I have is only because he was such a stand-up guy that uh, he had just gotten word that he was gonna die no thing, nothing could change that. And he called both of our families. And had that conversation. I don't know that I could do that. Yeah. That's deep. I don't think I could do it either. Yeah. He was a stand-up man, for sure. Yeah. I felt like I should have been the one, but he's like, nope, I got this, Andrea. I got it. Mm. And then I was just sick from crying. I had the dry heaves from crying because we had just talked all day since then. I think we found out at 1.30, and at like 10 o'clock, he ran to Cub and got me ginger ale and soda crackers. Oh. He's just learned his fate. Yeah. And here he's still taking care of you. For sure. Yep. Is there ways that he shows you in heaven still? Does he still show you these signs of 
ginger ale and soda crackers. Oh, he will, he'll like move things in the house. Like, I mean, like he'll, he'll drop something that I've just put somewhere or, um, I don't know what he did recently, but I was out in the garage swearing about something. <laughs> uh, something wasn't working, you know. Um, in the winter, I always swear at him when the when the uh, snowblower doesn't start, especially the first half of the season. And so I was out there doing something, and something fell, and I knew that it was secure. So he does do that. Dragonflies are always my sign for him, hence oh. the dragonfly oh, on the yes. cover of my book. Um, but yeah, he, he shows me. He shows what me. was the meaning of the dragonfly? I read it, but I can't think of it. Yeah, it's symbolism, head. transformation, That's what it is. Um, courage. Uh, but the biggest ones that hit for me are symbolism and transfer, transformation. Yeah. Wisdom is another one. And I think those are really important when you're dealing with any kind of loss. Yeah. Yeah. I think... Um, what a beautiful uh, tribute to him, too. Like Thank it's, you. It's really beautiful. Yeah. You know? And yeah. so I loved hearing about him today. Thank and, you. Yeah. Thank I. You. It makes me, you know, I know that you think you can live forever, but it is true that, like, um, you still want that kind of love. You, do. you know, I would yeah. still give anything if I still knew I would only have it for a few years. Absolutely. I would still go and chase that kind of love because that's really beautiful. Yeah, it is. It's it's what we all need in life at some on some level, you know. Yeah. We need to have our person. Yeah. We, do. we need to have that person to share everyday life with and not have to call a girlfriend when something yeah. really big happens. Who also challenges you to grow. Yeah. And, you oh. know, because um, you're not the same person. And it sounds like you guys had a really good dynamic in that of just allowing you, each other to be yourselves kind of unapologetically, right. you know, but also showing up and for him to call your family and yeah. take that burden on, you know, it just, it really does show like how much he loved you. Yeah. For he, sure. Yeah, we had a, it was a good thing. It was yeah. a good life. And we did challenge each other, which we both grew in the relationship. Yeah. 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 Well, I appreciate you coming on so much and just being so vulnerable and open and sharing your life and your experiences because um, these are what we need to hear more of. Thank these you. stories completely because not only does it give you hope. Yeah. Um, which I think you need a lot of when you're in dark places, no matter why you're there, you just, you need hope sometimes. And so to hear hope and to hear, um, somebody who's just either been in a situation, whether that, you know, somebody can match you emotionally where you're at, yeah. no matter how each of you got there, just matching that emotion is, um, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's, you can't even bring words, you know, yeah, it's just, that. you just used hope because that's the acronym of like helping one person every day. Yeah. And just hopefully this podcast, that was kind of our intention that we set was yeah. to whoever needs to hear this. I hope you're listening. And yeah. yeah. Oh, we did. We said, I hope that mm -hmm. yeah. that is great. So here's to spreading hope. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, thank you so much. We are signing off on the Twisted Sisters.
Thank you for listening to the Twisted Sisters podcast. We'll now leave you with a little bit of wisdom from Allie and Samantha. Imperfection is beauty. Madness is genius. And it's better to be absolutely ridiculous than absolutely boring. Twisted Twisted sisters. sisters. We're all a little twisted.